Welcome to Top 100 Fairy Tales. Your pets, your kids, and you should listen to The Story of the Second Calendar, Son of a King, an Arabic Fairy Tale, recording by Nuprosta. Madam, said the young man, addressing Zabrida, if you wish to know how I lost my right eye, I shall have to tell you the story of my whole life. I was scarcely more than a baby when the king, my father, finding me unusually quick and clever for my age, turned his thoughts to my education. I was taught first to read and write, and then to learn the Koran, which is the basis of our holy religion. And the better to understand it, I read with my tutors the ablest commentators on his teaching, and committed to memory all the traditions respecting the prophet which have been gathered from the mouth of those who were his friends. I also learned history and was instructing poetry, versification, geography, chronology, and in all the outdoor exercises in which every prince should excel. But what I liked best of all was reading Arabic characters, and in this I soon surpassed my masters and gained a reputation in this branch of knowledge that reached as far as India itself. Now the Sultan of the Indies, curious to see a young prince with such strange tastes, sent an ambassador to my father, laden with rich presents, and a warm invitation to visit his court. My father, who was deeply anxious to secure the friendship of so powerful a monarch, and held besides that a little travel would greatly improve my manners and open my mind, accepted gladly, and in a short time I had set out for India with the ambassador, attended only by a small suit on account of the length of the journey and the badness of the roads. However, as was my duty, I took with me ten camels laden with the rich presents for the Sultan. We had been traveling for about a month, when one day we saw a cloud of dust moving swiftly towards us, and as soon as it came near, we found that the dust concealed the band of fifty robbers. Our men barely numbered half, and as we were also hampered by the camels, there was no use in fighting, so we tried to overraven them by informing them who we were and whither we were going. The robbers, however, only laughed and declared that was none of their business, and without more words attacked us brutally. I defended myself to the last, wounded though I was, but at length, seeing the resistance was hopeless, and that the ambassador and all our followers were made prisoners, I put spars to my horse and rode away as fast as I could, till the poor beast fell dead from a wound in his side. I managed to jump off without any injury, and looked about to see if I was pursued, but for the moment I was safe for. As I imagined, the robbers were all engaged in quarreling over their booty. I found myself in a country that was quite new to me, and dared not return to the main road lest I should again fall into the hands of the robbers. Luckily, my wound only a slight one, and after binding up as well as I could, I walked on for the rest of the day till I reached a cave at the foot of a mountain, where I passed the night in peace, making my supper off some fruits and had gathered on the way. I wandered about for a whole month without knowing where I was going, till at length I found myself on the outskirts of a beautiful city, watered by winding streams which enjoyed an eternal spring. 
my delight at the prospect of mixing once more with human beings was somewhat damped at the thought of the miserable object I must see. My face and heads had been burnt nearly black, my clothes were all in wrecks, and my shoes were in such a state that I had been forced to abandon them altogether. I entered the town and stopped at a tailor's shop to inquire where I was. The man saw I was better than my condition and begged me to sit down, and in return I told him my whole story. The tailor listened with attention, but his reply, instead of giving me consolation, only increased my trouble. Beware, he said, of telling anyone what you have told me, for the prince who governs the kingdom is your father's greatest enemy, and he will be rejoiced to find you in his power. I thanked the tailor for his counsel, and said I would do whatever he advised. Then, being very hungry, I gladly ate of the food he put before me, and accepted his offer of a lodging in his house. In a few days I had quite recovered from the hardships I had undergone, and then the tailor, knowing that it was the custom for the princes of our religion to learn a trade or profession so as to provide for themselves in times of ill fortune, inquired if there was anything I could do for my living. I replied that I had been educated as a grammarian and a poet, but that my great gift was writing. All that is now of use here, said the tailor. Take my advice. Put on a short coat, and as you seem hardy and strong, go into the woods and cut firewood, which you will sell in the streets. But this means you will earn your living, and be able to wait till better time come. The hatcher and the court shall be my present. This counsel was very distasteful to me, but I thought I could not do otherwise than adopt it. So the next morning I set out with a company of poor woodcutters to whom the tailor had introduced me. Even on the first day I cut enough wood to sell for a tolerable sum, and very soon I became more expert and had made enough money to repay the tailor all he had lent me. I had been a woodcutter for more than a year, when one day I wandered farther in the forest than I had ever done before, and reached a delicious green glade, where I began to cut wood. I was hacking at the root of a tree, when I beheld an iron ring fastened to a trapdoor of, of the same metal. I soon cleared away the earth, and pulling up the door, found a staircase which I hastily made up my mind to go down, carrying my hatchet with me by way of protection. When I reached the bottom, I discovered that I was in a huge palace as brilliantly highlighted as any palace above ground that I have ever seen, with the long galleries supported by pillars of jasper, ornamented with capitals of gold. Down this gallery a lady came to meet me, of such beauty that I forgot everything else, and thought only of her. To save her, all the trouble possible, I hastened towards her and bowed low. Who are you? Who are you? she said. A man or a genius? A man, madam, I replied. I have nothing to do with genie. But what accident do you come here? she asked again with a sir. I have been in this place now for five and twenty years, and you are the first man who had visited me. Emboldened by her beauty and gentleness, I ventured to reply, Before madam, 
I answer your question. Allow me to say how grateful I am for this meeting, which is not only consolation to me in my own heavy sorrow, but may perhaps enable me to render you a lot happier. And then I told her who I was and how I had come there. Alas, prince, she said, with a deeper sigh than before. You have guessed it rightly in supposing me an unwilling prisoner in this gorgeous place. I am the daughter of the king of the Ebony Isle, of whose fame you surely must have heard. At my father's desire, I was married to a prince who was my only cousin. But on my very wedding day, I was snatched up by a genius and brought here in and faint. For a long while, I did not nothing but weep and would not suffer the genius to come near me. But time reaches submission, and I have now got accustomed to his presence, and if clothes and jewels could content me, I have them in plenty. Every tenth day for five and twenty years I have received a visit from him, but in case I should need this help at any other time, I have only to touch a talisman that stands at the entrance of my chamber. It wants still five days to his next visit, and I hope that during that time you will do me the honor to be my guest. I was too much dazzled by her beauty to dream of refusing her offer, and accordingly the princess had me conducted to the bath, and a rich dress befitting my rank was provided for me. Then a feast of the most delicate dishes was served in a room hung with embroidered Indian fabrics. Next day, when we were at dinner, I could maintain my patience no longer, and implored the princess to break her bonds and return with me to the world which I was lighted by the sun. What you ask is impossible, she answered, but stay here with me instead, and we can be happy, and all you will have to do is to betake yourself to the forest every tenth day when I am expecting my master, the genius. He is very jealous, as you know, and will not suffer a man to come near me. Princess, I replied, I see it's only fear of the genius that makes you act like this. For myself, I dread him so little that I mean to break his talisman in pieces. Awful though you think him, he shall feel the weight of my arm, and I herewith take a solemn vow to stamp out the whole race. The princess, who realized the consequences of such audacity, entreated me to not to touch the talisman. If you do, it will be the ruin of both of us, said she. I know Jeannie much better than you. But the wine I had drunk had confused my brain. I gave one kick to the talisman, and it fell into a thousand pieces. Hardly had my foot touched the talisman when the air became as dark as night, and fearful noise was heard, and the palace shook to its very foundations. And in instant I was sobered and understood what I had done. Princess, I cried, what's happening? Alas, she exclaimed, forgetting all her own terrors in anxiety for me. Fly, or you are lost. I followed her advice and dashed up a star the staircase, leaving my hatchet behind me. But I was too late. The palace opened, and the genius appeared, who, turning angrily to the princess, asked indignantly. What the matter that you have sent me for like this? A pain in my heart, she replied hastily, obliged me to seek aid of this little bottle. 
feeling faint. I slipped and fell against the talisman, which broke. That is really all. You are an impudent liar, cried the genius. How did this hatchet and those shoes get here? I never saw them before, she answered. And you came in such a hurry that you may have picked them up on the road without knowing it. To this, the genius only replied by insults and blows. I could hear the shrieks and groans of the princess, and having by this time taken off my rich garments and put on those in which I had arrived the previous day, I lifted the trap, found myself once more in the forest, and returned to my friend the tailor, with the light load of wood and heart full of shame and sorrow. The tailor, who had been uneasy at my long absence, was delighted to see me, but I kept silence about my adventure and as soon as possible retired to my room to lament in secret over my folly. While I was thus indulging my grief, my host entered and said, There is uh, one old man downstairs who has brought your hatchet and slippers, which he picked up on the road and now restores to you, as he found out from one of your comrades where you lived. You had better come down and speak to him yourself. At this speech I changed color, and my legs trembled under me. The tailor noticed my confusion and was just going to incur the reason when the door of the room opened and the old man appeared, carrying with him my hatched and shoes. I am genius, he said, the son of the daughter of Eblis, prince of the genie. It's not this hatchet yours and these shoes? Without waiting for an answer, which indeed I could hardly have given him, so great was my fright. He seized hold of me and darted up into the air with the quickness of lightning, and then, with equal swiftness, dropped it down towards the earth. When he touched the ground, he wrapped it with his foot, it opened, and we found ourselves in an enchanted palace, in the presence of the beautiful princess of the Ebony Isle. But how different she looked from what she was when I had last seen her, for she was lying stretched on the ground covered with blood and weeping bitterly. Traitor, cried the genius, is not this man your lover? She lifted up her eyes slowly and looked sadly at me. I never saw him before, she answered slowly. I don't know who he is. What? exclaimed the genius. You owe all your sufferings to him, and yet you dare to say he is a stranger to you? But if he really is a stranger to me, she replied, why should I tell a lie and cause his death? Very well, said the genius, drawing his sword. Take this and cut off his head. Alas, answered the princess, I am too weak even to hold the saber. And supposing that I have the strength, which why should I put an innocent man to death? You condemn yourself by your refusal, said the genius. Then turning to me, he added, And you, do you not know her? How should I? I replied, resolved to imitate the princess in her fidelity. How should I, when I never saw her before? Cut her head off, then. If she is a stranger to you, and I shall believe you are speaking the truth, and will set you at liberty. Certainly, I answered, taking the saber in my hands, and making a sign to the princess to fear nothing, as it was my own life that I was about to sacrifice, and not hers. 
but the look of gratitude she gave me shook my courage and I flung the saber to the earth. I should not deserve to live, I said to the genius, if I were such a coward as to slay a lady who is not only unknown to me, but who is at this moment half dead herself. Do with me as you will, and I am in your power, but I refuse to obey your cruel command. I see, said the genius, that you have both made up your minds to brave me, but I will give you a sample of what you may expect. So saying, with one sweep of her saber, he cut off a hand of the princess, who was just able to lift the other to wave me an eternal farewell. Then I lost consciousness for several minutes. When I came to myself, I implored the genius to keep me no longer in this state of suspense, but to lose no time in putting an end to my sufferings. The genius, however, paid no attention to my prayers, but said sternly, That is the way in which a genius treats the woman who has betrayed him. If I chose, I could kill you also, but I will be merciful and content myself with changing you into a dog, an ass, a lion, or a bird, whichever you prefer. I caught eagerly at these words as giving me a faint hope of softening his wrath. Oh, genius, I cried, as you wish to spare my life, be generous and spare it altogether. Grant my prayer and pardon my crime, as the best man in the whole world forgave his neighbor who was eaten up with envy of him. Contrary to my hopes, the genius seemed interested in my words and said he would like to hear the story of the two neighbors, and as I think, madam, it may please you, I will tell you it also. Thank you for listening, please subscribe, leave a like and share your thoughts about the fairy tale in the comments. Do not forget to share the story with your friends, parents and kids.